The opinions expressed on this program are those of the host or guest and should not be interpreted as statement of fact. Independent fact-checking and corrections are encouraged. This episode is brought to you by FunWise Capital. FunWise Capital is a business lender matching platform. Avoid the mystery of one-sided deals and connect with FunWise to get the very best funding you can qualify for fast. You can apply online in 60 seconds or less and there's no effect to your credit to see how much you can get. It's easy. Use the funding for anything you need to start or grow your business. You did hear me correctly. I did say start or grow your business. If you don't have a business yet, but you got a solid business plan, they can help you get funding. Get the best funding you can qualify for. Their strategic lender matching platform searches through hundreds of lenders to find the very best possible option for your unique situation. They have hundreds of five-star reviews on Google, Trustpilot, and Facebook, and an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. They provide unsecured lines of credit at 0% interest for 9 to 15 months. Unsecured term loans, loans based on income, short-term gap funding, and bridge loans. They work with real estate, startups like I already mentioned, franchises, restaurants, any kind of business, any kind of project. To get started, it's really easy. Just go to apply.funwise.com slash minddog. That's apply.funwise.com slash minddog. Get money for your business now. Fly.funwise.com slash mind dog. Is everybody ready for the mind dog to make it to the show? Nothing at all like playing the wrong intro. Good morning, folks. Uh, great to have you here. It is Tuesday, March 22nd, 2022. It's 322 <laughs> Beautiful spring day here in New York. Hope it's a beautiful day wherever you are. Uh, hello, Krishan D. Scales. And hello. good morning, Kat. Yes, you do get credit for being here on time. Um, What's going on today? Well, uh, we're going to meet a uh, another comedian from Florida. It looks like Florida's a happening scene for comedians. Um, Danny Fallon will be with us at the 10 a.m. hour. Um, interesting. Uh, it, it comes in waves, I guess. Last week, I had a bunch of California comedians on. This week, it looks like Florida is the hot spot. Um, just interesting how these things seem to... <laughs> Uh, come in groups like that, and but also I know that Florida, you know, Florida's a huge state, but uh, they do have a very active um, com- comedy scene down there, probably because just of the nature of uh, a lot of business in the state is tourists, and tourists like to go out and all that stuff, so they still have a very active, thriving comedy club scene in Florida, more so than than we have here in New York, um, especially in the suburbs. I mean, the city's different stuff. But there are of several, I don't want to call them metro areas, but several decent-sized cities. Uh, good morning, Ralphie. Yes, you are on time. Uh, unusual. for I haven't seen you stop by the show in a while. Uh, morning, Kel, and anyone lurking and chatting? Yes. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Everybody, it's just a great morning. A wonderful morning to be alive. Uh, so 
So Danny Fallon will be <laughs> at 10 a.m. Uh, and, of course, Kiara will be back uh, at, uh, will be with us at 9.30 and then again 10.30 with some happy-ass news. I mean, the happy minute. Uh, and that should always, that's always fun to talk to her. Um, what else is going on? Well, well, yesterday you had your Supreme Court hearing, uh, confirmation hearings. Anybody interested in that? I didn't think you were. Don't see it, uh, a whole lot of chatter about it uh, if you're not following politics. And, you know, that those kind of things can be really boring. It's basically uh, part, very partisan stuff. You know, whatever side you're on, you're going to oppose the other side uh, nomination. So right now, Democrats are in office. Biden nominated uh, a judge and the Republicans are going to stand against it. And they'll fight it out and argue it out. And eventually she'll be confirmed and uh, we'll move on to the next one. But the other part of it is uh, Clarence Thomas is uh, ill and he's old. And so whenever somebody's old and ill, there's a good chance that um, it could lead to serious complications. Yeah. Old people with the flu, uh, old people and the flu don't go together so well. And so he's got flu-like sy- symptoms and been hospitalized. Don't know, they haven't said anything about COVID or any of that stuff. But he is an old man. He was an old man when he got confirmed when I was a young man. <laughs> so he's a, he's a very old man now. So, um, or he's, at least he seemed like an old man to me when he got first got confirmed. So there's a good chance that, well, not a good chance. There's a chance that seat might open up at some point. Not necessarily because of death, but just because, uh, it, it, you know, things could happen. Complications could happen. Old people just say, you know what, I've had enough. I want to spend the rest of my time on a beach with a cocktail with my family. And, you know, I've had enough of this. And so that could happen. Not likely, though, considering what... Um, what a zealot he is for his party. Um, so, but it's possible. You never know. And um, the Supreme Court, you know, just, it's always been like that. People think once you get a majority in there, you're set, your party is in, is, is in the driver's seat. But things can happen, as, as we've seen before, where judge, even though it's a lifetime appointment, they don't always last a lifetime. Uh, so, anyway. Uh, that's what's happening here today. Um, not a whole lot trending other than, uh, that stuff, you know, the Supreme Court stuff. Of course, the war is going on. Here's the thing. And I, am not going to, I'm not going to back off of this until <laughs> people, uh, uh, get it with the Ukrainian Russian thing. Too many people all over social media at least from what I can see, you know, and I know social media, the experience on it is different for every person because they're going to show you stuff either to tweak you or to get you uh, engaged. One of those two things, uh, either make you angry or make you happy based on your personal preferences. But what I see a lot of is a ton of people saying this is, uh, it's going to be over quickly. That Russia can't uh, hold out, and they're losing uh, casualties, losing troops too fast, and they'll never be able to sustain this, and it won't be long before it's over for Russia. And there's going to be regime change, and Putin will be dead soon, and all that stuff. Uh, I say nay-nay. 
Nay, nay, I say. Uh, we were told for 20 years, every single day, that we were winning the Vietnam War. Every single day we were winning. The Russian people are being told they're winning that war. Um, and so don't underestimate their ability to carry out that and lose young people for as long as it takes until they finally get tired of it. Um, you would have thought the whole world would have learned from our lesson in Vietnam. But the whole world, we didn't learn from our lesson in Vietnam. We went back into Afghanistan for another 20-year war. And Russia did before us. They had a 20-year war in Afghanistan before we did. Same thing. They were losing that entire battle, that entire time, that entire war, that entire time. The whole, the whole 20 years they were there, they were losing and telling their people they were winning. So people were thinking this is going to be over quickly or uh, claiming, oh, don't worry, they can't hold out, are being silly and forgetting history. And you know what they say about people who forget history? Um, so I honestly believe that at least 10 years down the road, this, what's going on in Ukraine today will still be going on. And people say, well, that's fucking madness. How could they do that? How do we be in Vietnam? How do we be in Afghanistan? How do we be in Iraq all those years without winning and con continually losing people? And and so, and now people are starting to bring up statistics. Well, you lost 7,000 uh, troops in the first three weeks. There were periods in Vietnam when we went through the same same type of thing. Great loss in a very short period of time. Maybe 7,000 in three weeks is just about pushing the limit. But look at the damage they've done to Ukraine and the infrastructure over there and those buildings. And, and they are, they're just bombing away indiscriminately now. Um, so I think, you know, I just, I'm the anti-optimist. That's what I'm saying. There are too many people who are just saying, ah, this can't last, this can't last. And I'm just saying they're dead wrong. Now, if it proves out that I'm wrong, I will eat my words. Uh, and I will say, you know what? Everybody was right and I was wrong. I'm, I'm, the, I'm the dumb one. I would definitely be happy to say that. I would love it to be over quickly, uh, over quickly um, in favor of Ukraine. I just don't see it. I just don't see it. It's still going on today. We're and there are people trying to push us into direct uh, conflict, and I don't want to see that at all. And oddly enough, I, I touched on this yesterday. Everybody who – Tommy Chong was urging <laughs> Joe Biden to get directly involved last night. Tommy Chong, who spent the last 60 years – being a peacenik, uh, his buddy was, you know, his partner was a draft dodger. Went to Canada to avoid the Vietnam War. These these are anti-war guys who all of a sudden are war guys. They're looking. They want to. They want to see the United States get involved. Of course, they're too old to go. That's one thing that really pisses me off. Like, you're my age or older. And say, yeah, we need to go to war. We need to go to war. Uh, well, are you going? 
Are you, do you have kids that are going? I would not be sending my children, my grandchildren over there. Um, because, again, we're forgetting history. Look at the last four wars that we've been involved in. And every single one of those were based on lies. Every single one of those were bait and switch type of operations, getting people all ripped up to go to war to find out what the fuck are we doing there? Oh, yeah, we're wasting our time. All of that comes down to the idea that, and you know what, you got to give credit where credit's due. Uh, Crazy Rumsfeld <laughs> no, no, knew that war is not uh, fought like war was fought. He got the lesson from Vietnam. Now, I'm not a Rumsfeld fan, and I'm not endorsing Donald Rumsfeld's strategies or behavior or any of that stuff. But he understood the lesson from Vietnam and the lesson from 9-11 is that war is not fought by taking real estate anymore. It used to be for almost all of human civilization, war was an act of taking real estate. In other words, we're going to capture that hill, we're going to hold that hill, we're going to keep it forever, or dive giant. No longer that way. Vietnam, we, we took hills and then gave them back every day. Uh, War, what is it good for? Yes, we've we've dis, we've discussed that. Uh, absolutely nothing. Uh, <laughs> but so it was always about taking real estate until Vietnam, and then and Vietnam somehow or another it became about body count. It became about metric, different metrics than holding real estate. Uh, World War Two was a si- rocket scientist grab. Um, it didn't start out that way. It started out as a real estate take back uh no i will not sing it i I won't i can barely talk it thank you uh but nam taught us that wars are not fought like that anymore and then and i've said this uh so many times i'm sick of hearing myself say it too 9 11 we realized that uh 19 goat fuckers with box cutter knives can bring a uh superpower quote superpower to its knees no bombs no aircraft carriers no yeah no um no missile launchers none of that no nuclear weapons uh kevin who has military experiences could chime in here historically most wars were fought for land to grow good people to work the fields yeah well uh, this is, I agree that historically it, it was about land, though. It was always about taking, it's not about land anymore. Because in every, at least two, huh? <laughs> okay. But, right, in case you don't know, people aren't seeing Ralph because he's in the, the Facebook chat room. Uh, at least two, huh? He's giving me this war. What is it good for? Sing it and all this kind of stuff. Um, You could say to grow food. Uh, not necessarily to grow food. Sometimes it was about uh, travel routes. Sometimes it was about uh, ports, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but yeah, growing food, food was, uh, of course, a very valuable resource. But not every not every culture that went to war was an agricultural culture either. 
So, you know, that's an oversimplification. Oh, it was about getting land to grow food. No, it was about trade routes. It was about ports. It was about many things, but always about land. It's not about land anymore. We give the land back. We did in, Afghan in Afghanistan. Did we hold any land in Iraq? Did we hold any land? No, we went and cleared out a city, pulled back and let the enemy take the city again. And then you go back in. And same thing with Vietnam. It started in Nam. The idea, I'll take uh, Hill 451, we'll take Hill 451, get to the top of it, and then clear out, and the enemy comes right back. So now it's about, again, and this is the, the most important part, when you're invading, when you're invading another country, another land, the only way that you can hold it possibly is by convincing the the hearts and minds of the people you win it by getting them to go along with you be part of you buy into your country your philosophy your agenda whatever it is and without that they're always going to be there they're always going to be like those people in iraq suicide bombers and here's the thing now again uh, it's just, it's like people are are just oblivious to this they just see it as two powers fighting and war games, and like it's a big video game. In Iraq, in Afghanistan, when we did take real estate, the citizens, the people who lived there, who did not want us there, revolted in terrorism, on IUDs, and uh, suicide bombers, and things like that. Terrorism, what we call terrorism, some people call guerrilla patriotism. Uh, it depends on what side you're on. One man's terrorism is the other uh, man's guerrilla warfare, patriotism. So we're actually in a place now where we're rooting for the civilians in Ukraine. And this is exactly what's happening. Uh, they're killing uh, Russian soldiers, taking their weapons, and they're arming the population. So no wonder people like Putin are bombing places where civilians are hiding because they, they've seen at least that part of the lesson where if you're not going to win the hearts and minds of the people, those people become your enemies. And it's a really scary thing to be in a place that's a foreign place if you're a soldier and not know who the enemy is because they're not dressed in uniforms. And that creates a place where war crimes happen, where civilians get massacred. Bottom line is this thing ain't going to be over. And I hope it is. I hope I'm wrong. But we're going to see every day we're going to come back and the and top news story will be uh, Russia and Ukraine for quite a while. Unless like we have distractions like Supreme Court nomination hearings and stuff like that. But it's going to be going on. Only last hundred years uh, we've mechanized agriculture though before that 80 percent of all energies went to food production no no <laughs> no food production no the man uh mankind you know last hundred years no no not at all there were, you know, food production. Yeah, uh, if you want to call it, I mean, you're not talking about farming, no. You're not talking about land. And again, you know, a uh, lot of lot of cultures, a lot of countries were more interested in trade routes. The land is not just about 
uh, farmland. That that's an oversimplification. I'm sorry. It's just, it's just not 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 true at all. Anyway, what the former Eastern Bloc shows is that there is enough local support from like-minded people seeking power, and occupier can be successful. Really? Um, for how long? Permanently? Um, can you give me? an example of a permanent occupation because we've seen we've seen enough changes of it going back and forth in in our lifetime where they haven't been able to, it seemed like they've been yeah sure 20 years 40 years an occupation that's that's my point here they russia can occupy ukraine for 20 years 40 years 50 years ah, let's give them 60 years they can't hold it permanently. And so, and the war is never over while they're there. The war is never over. What what we've seen is really, if, if you're holding that piece of land, you're occupying that piece of land, it may feel like war's over. The army isn't continuing to fight you, but the people who are against you are going to be against you and do things to sabotage you and, you know, what we call terrorism. Uh, constantly, you're always going to be in a constant state of war. This is this is the state of twenty uh, the twenty first century. Bottom line here, and again, I don't I didn't want to belabor this point, but uh, everybody, uh, many people, very many people, calling for or predicting a quick ending to this thing in Ukraine, and it's just not going to happen. It's just not going to happen, and if it does. Please remind me, say, dog, you were way wrong on this, man. Don't you feel stupid? And I'll say, yeah, I do feel stupid. It was wrong. Uh, but it just it's driving me crazy to see everybody saying, well, oh, don't worry. They can't last. Russia can't last. They won't do this. And, you know, you want to know Putin's resolve? Watch the current Frontline uh, documentary about his motivation here and how long he's been working at this thing. Um, and this is well documented that, you know, he's been hoping to rebuild the Soviet Union for 22 years. Uh, and this has been a, a, his pet project. This is, he's been waiting for this moment to happen. So to say, well, he's, things are going bad in the first three or four weeks here. He's just going to give up. You're not you're not studying the man, his personal history, or what his real objective is, and uh, and his commitment to the cause. I don't really want to talk about Russia anymore, but here it is. I just wanted to say that it's not going to be over because we're going to be talking about it forever. So why talk about it now? <laughs> That's kind of the point I wanted to make. So don't. Uh, I'm just going to drop that right there. No more Russia talk for today. Yeah, we'll come back to it. I'm sure we will. Uh, last night, Elka Schultz was my guest on uh, Mind Dog TV podcast, and we were talking about her her field. Is she's psycho. She's a psycho psychotherapist. Can I say that in the morning? Psychotherapist. Yes, I can say that. Talking about anxiety. And, uh, of course, wow, what a better, what better time 
to uh, help people or give people coping skills with anxiety than now. After two years, probably about two years, almost to the day when the lockdown started, and you know, COVID and and COVID seems to be on the back burner for mo- for the most part now, and most people are. At least it depends on where you are here in New York. And I, I heard uh, Erickson, Erickson say on the most recent uh, issues with Andy that in Texas, uh, COVID has been over with since he moved there, which is quite a while back, about a year ago, I guess. And in here in New York, for all intents and purposes, uh, people are acting like uh, it's completely done. I hope they're right. I hope it is done. But I'm seeing, you know, and we're not seeing any coverage of it in the news. But somebody last night was a comedian, so you got to, you know, maybe maybe not a scholar, definitely not a news person. I don't want to name her. But she said, with the numbers at an all-time high, and I was like, what numbers? Here in the state? No, she's in Canada. Okay. Maybe it's different in Canada. I haven't looked at the numbers in Canada, but she said with the numbers at all uh, at an all time high, how much long? How much? How much longer before the next lockdown? And I was like, what am I missing? Because that's not the case here in New York. I mean, uh, people are ready to walk around naked and and you know just kiss strangers. <laughs> and I'm not kidding about that. There was some of that going on at, at the gig Saturday night. Uh, lots of lots of stranger kissing, <laughs> and I don't mean like, you know, uh, deep throat, <laughs> tongue in the mouth kissing, but just like strangers saying hello. So we're back to listen. If you if you're kissing strangers in just you know in a greeting type of way, you're not really concerned about a pandemic. That's pretty clear, right? Am I right about that, or am I wrong? You're gonna argue with me about that now. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> uh, pandemic is still going strong. So I, you know, the point I guess is uh, here in New York, it just seems to be over. We, uh, you need to hear more about the gig. Is that what? Uh, well, nah, it's not really. The gig was fun. I will tell you this: uh, my motivation has never changed in life. What makes a good gig for me? It was what made a good gig for me when I was 14 years old. Pretty girls interested in in, in the band. Um, and not that anything's going to happen. It's just exciting when pretty girls like what's going on. And so uh, it started with uh, Handsome Paul, a friend of ours. Uh, hands- and, and there's Paul J right on time as I'm talking about Handsome Paul. No, I'm not talking about Paul J. Uh, <laughs> I'm talking about Paul Martens, a friend of ours from, uh, I, I haven't seen him in probably almost 50 years, came down to the gate. Paul's a, a tall, handsome guy. He looks kind of like Brett Brock, but six foot, six foot five or six foot four version of, of Brett Brock and he was uh came down we had a, a conversation nice to catch up with him and he's sitting at the bar and uh, there's a really pretty girl sitting right next to him as you might expect when a guy like that comes in and he's alone and uh and I'd say probably 
uh, and not to insult anybody else who was there, this the girl that was with him was probably the prettiest girl in in the place that night. <laughs> so, uh, and so we were, we did our thing four hours of nonstop playing, and everybody's singing along, and Paul and the, and the very pretty girl are singing along with me uh, on a couple of songs and Mikey hands on the mic and they knew all the words and they're, they're looking right at me and singing. And then um, the, this woman comes up to me and we're, we're, we're right in the middle of hitting our stride. And uh, we're just like one dance, one dance song or sing along song. And the, the, the floor is packed the whole time and people, it's very crowded up by the dance floor right now, by, by where the band is. Uh, and uh, this girl starts telling me, you got to stop playing these great songs. I need to go sit down. He said, I, we haven't sat down in 20 minutes because we got them going. And then, but then she's in my face and she's like really in my, but being flirty, but antagonistic in the same way. And then she came over and, and gave me a kiss on the side, you know, just a little. And her husband jumped up and got like really nervous. And then all of a sudden he's a guy who, can't dance but he sees his wife like, acting a little flirty with me and he gets up and now he's going to try to dance he's making a fool out of himself and crashing into stuff and just being like as goofy as fucking possible and it was funny as hell to see because uh, and that hasn't happened to me to be like get, in a long time since before covid at least to have women flirting with 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 you while you're playing and seeing their husbands or boyfriends get very upset about it and try to overcompensate and all that stuff that's always it always makes for a fun time because just watching the dynamic is always interesting for, for me and there was a lot of of that going on and so we played the whole gig and then at the end of the night uh mikey's wife comes over to me and she says um uh, I'm not going to say her name. So I went to the prettiest girl in the room who was hanging with both. She really wants to meet you. Wow. She really wants to meet me. Like we don't do musicians. Don't do meet and greets. I mean, if you want to, uh, go over to the band as they're packing up and, and talk to them, that's typically what happens. Nobody requests a formal introduction. I don't know how to fucking do that. I am Mr. Uh, you know, socially awkward socially uh anxious not not the, not a social butterfly at all i don't do those introductions i don't know how to deal with that shit uh and so there was hey you know what i'm just seeing uh i think my news girl must be oversleeping or something <laughs> it is time for the news oh there she is uh anyway so i don't know how to do that stuff and was very awkward about it but it felt great if because again my motivation what makes a good gig for me has not changed since i'm 14 years old uh money is good and we made more money than we usually do um with band gigs a lot more money than we usually do with band gigs here's the thing with with acoustic shows First of all, it's a lot less work, a lot less time. You bring in a lot less equipment. It's just an easier thing. You walk in with an acoustic guitar, and in, in some places, there's already a PA set up and everything for you. Uh, but even if not, it's a very minimal PA set uh, setup. So it's a really quick setup. So you're getting paid more to start off with uh, and then more per hour be uh, because you're working less hours. So the, the pay for the gig starts off at more than it would be for a band gig 
and then you're working less hours, so it's even worth a little more than it. Buy your dinner often. And then there's tips. And uh, you don't generally get that many tips when you play with a full band, but when you play with those acoustic solos and duos, uh, wow. And so Saturday night was like, uh, like I think we made three times what we were getting paid in tips. <laughs> so a uh, very good night from that perspective. So it's just a very happy, fun gig for me, refreshing. And I love doing that when you don't have to, you don't have to work so hard for more money and good times. Yeah, um, that makes a good gig. So that was my expression of, uh, yeah, yeah, of having a good gig on Saturday night. So that that's all I really want to say about that. There's more to it, but I not for not for public broadcast. <laughs> Anyway, uh, the lovely Kiara is with us. This pro- this uh, segment is brought to you by Fiverr.com. Uh, Fiverr.com. You need anything done for five bucks. Um, within reason, I guess. But graphics, you know, all graphics. That graphic logo of me that you see, that was done on Fiverr. Basically, I paid somebody five bucks. If you're not familiar with Fiverr, Fiverr.com. And there's a link in our description here. Uh, I'm going to pull that up before I even bring. Uh, it's a long link, it's, but it's got our uh, Mind Dog TV at the end of it. And I hope you do uh, patronize our uh, link for Fiverr. If you need graphic arts, if you need video editing, if you need copywriting, if you need edit, uh, any kind of editing, uh, maybe a business presentation, you need help with any of that kind of stuff, uh, help with a website, help with building an app, TikTok videos, anything, anything you can hire a remote freelancer for, you can find on Fiverr. Even some of those singers that I use on some of my music productions. When you hear uh, some of the uh, girl singers that I've used, those are from Fiverr. And they, they sing their tracks remotely and send them to me. I pay them, well, it starts at five bucks. can go up from there, depending on how long the project is. But for mo- most tasks most jobs started just five dollars which is why it's called fiber with the extra irony and go fiber.com so they are the sponsor for the happy minute with care for today and i hope you will uh patronize them now it's time to yeah that guy that me that was what done on fiber that last weird little how are you very good how good are morning. you? Good morning. You look happy this morning. Is, are, you, are you happy? I'm putting on a happy face. Well, if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. Oh, you didn't clap your hands. <laughs> you so you don't know it or you're not happy? I don't know. I don't want to clap my hands. Okay. Uh, how's it going, though? How, good day, bad day. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. It's been a long week. It's long Tuesday. week. <laughs> it's Tuesday. I know. So, Something you want to talk about? Something going on? You're, I don't know. You ready to move to Florida? I'm ready to move to Florida. Really? Yeah, I'm. I want to retire. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got a long, long way to go. I know. Oh, you know what? You're homeschooling kids. I should know. I should know why you're. Why you're? That's a hell of a job you've taken on there. Yeah. Homeschooling kids. Yeah. Uh, are you? Uh, are you a qualified teacher? It's- so. It's Wait, easy. Is it, is it, is it easy? You, you got textbooks, right? And, and yeah. You, uh, 
And are you doing it like like school? Like like we're gonna do English now. We're gonna do math now. We're gonna do something. Yep. We do the we say the pledge. You do the pledge. We do the pledge. Yep. <laughs> you have a flag up in your house. We have a you... flag. Yes. Holy moly! You know I'm interested in going back to school. If, uh, <laughs> I'm. Tell me, do you know the new math? I'm sure you do. They probably taught it when you were in school. That's how. Right. No, no, I don't. I don't teach that. I teach what I know. None of those. I don't know what it is. The Common Core. Yeah, bubbles. Common Core. So, yeah. if you're teaching what you know and you don't know Common Core, what happens if they are? Are they ever going back to regular school? Are you plan to do this like straight to graduation? Like, it's it's a tough question, Matt. I don't want them to go back to school, but um, yeah, but if they do, eventually they're they, going to have to know. They're going to have the, to common core they're going to be behind no i i don't know hopefully they can pick it up or hopefully they could yeah. just keep my knowledge and rise above the rest because you, you know what i know about common core what zero zero ah. <laughs> yeah i don't know anything about me it me too I, I, I think I it's pathetic, to be honest. I think they need to. How could you think it's pathetic if you don't know anything about it? Just uh, from what I've seen from from last year, she took home these math equations, and it just was a lot of ways to get yeah, to the. Yeah, it it, see, it seems like extra work. I mean, it's math, extra work. I don't. It's know. hard enough already, math. They they need to. It, it is hard. Just, yeah. it's very hard. I'm very confused already. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, what's going on? You got uh, good news for us? You got happy news? You got funny news? What do you got? You got some kind of news? I have happy news. Happy I have good news. news. Okay. And it's local. Oh, local. Yeah. It's right on Long Island. Long Island. Long Island. According to Patch.com, a horse rescued after getting stuck in a Bohemia pool. <laughs> uh, I love that stuff. All yeah? Right. Now, where did this horse come from? So a lot of people in Bohemia have horses. So about 7.50 a.m. on Saturday, Suffolk County police responded to a 911 call of a horse stuck in a pool. Actually, he was stuck in the pool cover. So he fell into the pool and was stuck Whoa, in the cover. That's yeah. dangerous. In assistance with the Bohemia Fire Department and emergency service section officers, police were able to rescue the horse from the deep end of the pool through the shallow end. The horse was unharmed, and uh, they live in Pond Road residence. Let me see how many officers. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight men. You know, so, horses are, uh, are pretty stupid animals, really. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> it seems to me there are some people who are even stupider than horses who let their horse just walk around uh, with an in-ground pool in, in the yard and think they're not going to walk on that. Like, they're going to yeah. be smart enough not to walk on that. Right. Really stupid. Are you familiar with the story last year here where uh, out by me, the bull got loose? Yes. Did and they ever find that bull? They found the bull. He After like two months, the bull turned himself in. Oh, my uh, goodness. But they let a cow go to seduce the bull, and they never found the cow. <laughs> they never. Oh, we got a cat jumping up. Oh, is that oh, a kitten? This is my cat. This is Olive. Olive. She's She's small. Kitten. Say good morning. No, she's she's two years old. Oh. She's she's freaking out. She's jumping Boy, all over Olive. the couches. Olive. 
Yeah, so they, they never found the cow. The cow is still on the loose. The bull, bull got turned. I thought somebody, I really actually thought somebody had the bull hanging up like in a, a meat freezer somewhere. No. But, well, if it's gone for two months, you got to th- start thinking somebody's got it. Like, <laughs> where can a bull hide? You know that, you know, I mean. It's woodsy. Could, he he was enjoying his life. What It is kind of woodsy, but I mean, there's only so many, so many places you can go without being spotted. Eventually, because there's people, a lot of people on Long Island. I don't know I if you've thought, noticed. Yeah, a lot of people. But also, <laughs> every time I drove out east, the signs, be, beware, there's a wild bull on the loose. You know, all over the, over the road when you were really? driving. I was just, I thought a bull was going to come out of nowhere and charge my car. I didn't see any of those signs, but then I don't ever leave my house. So on, Right on Sunrise for... Highway. Please drive slow. Loose that... bull. It's like what? <laughs> <laughs> but they don't have it for the cow who's still missing after like ten months now, or almost a year. She's in the meat freezer. She she must be yeah. either that or she's giving milk somewhere. Yeah. Anyway, all right. We have another comedian from Florida. You can talk about moving to Florida in the next hour. So okay, thank, good. Thank you for coming. We got to find a, a second sponsor. Oh no, we're going with Fiber again in the, in the half hour. So. Fiverr, man. Get on Fiverr, people. Keep keep the show going. Fiverr.com. Yes. All right. See you in a, an hour. See Bye. ya. You have a horse. You let it walk around in your backyard, and you have, um, you have an in-ground pool. What do you expect? Look the, again. Horses aren't aren't that smart, but the people who own the property are not much smarter than the horse. I mean, come on, you're gonna just let him walk wherever he wants. Of course, he's gonna walk, think. Listen, Joe Caesar, <laughs> bass player for who played with the Forty Fives. Uh, we were playing a gig, and there was a, a we were set up by the outskirts of a on the side of a. Uh, in ground pool that had a cover on it. it was October and he didn't see and he walked on it and <laughs> fell in and got caught in the cover this is a human being so of course a horse is gonna do it a horse is about that at least that much slower uh dumber than a bass player <laughs> anyway <laughs> Uh, so that's all the horse uh, horse manure news for you we have today. But uh, she should be back with some interesting news on on the hour. Um, <laughs> uh, looks like is it snowing in Al- Albuquerque? Is that what I'm seeing? I think I'm seeing snow down in the southwest, which is surprising for this time of year because this is the time of year where it really you know. They get they get spring along before long before we get real spring, but it's spring here today. I'm not complaining. Beautiful weather here. I'm looking forward to it getting better and better and better and better, 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 better. better, better. Um, so let's see what else is trending in the world. Uh, it's all about politics, man. Oh, Shatner! What Shatner's trending? Anybody know why Shatner's trending? He's he's not dead, right? Ninety first birthday for for captain kirk 91 and still fighting with people daily on twitter uh somebody played me a clip um uh, from 
T.J. Hooker, which debuted 50 years ago. On They say Kirk was wearing, uh, Shatner was wearing a wig for that. But he still looked great. He was still active, running, you know, and, you know, of course, probably used some stunt doubles along the way. But doing a lot of the physical stuff at 50 years old, looking really good. Now, that's 40 years ago when that uh, came out, he was 50 years old already, 50 years old at 50 I mean, I could not have done any of those things. You got to look at the the. Um, it's not trailer, the intro, the opening for T.J. Hooker, and see because some of those stunts and not really stunts, but physical activity. He's not doing. It's not a stunt man. It's him actually doing the running, jumping, and all that stuff. You can see that pretty clearly. Stuff I don't think I probably was up to doing at least from the flexibility standpoint and the resilience of being able to jump over car hoods and stuff like that at 50 years old. Um, so good for him. And he's 91 and still active. Uh, it's still pretty, sh- just as sharp as ever, really. Um, and again, I, I, I kind of follow him, follow some of his antics on Twitter. He's always fighting with somebody. He's always arguing with somebody. Uh, Seems like he gets off on that. But uh, he puts up some really good arguments, some really thoughtful arguments, and some intelligent arg- arguments. So good for him at 91. You know, well, I don't think I'll, I have a chance at seeing 91, and I don't think I want to. I could just imagine how much of a burden I would be on, on people who uh, care about me or, you know, or even the nursing home staff. I don't want to be a burden on them. I don't want to be in a nursing home. <laughs> and I'm quite sure uh, that if if I happen to manage to get to 91, that's where I would be. Jamie will wipe. <laughs> yeah, you'll see 101. What do you mean? What what makes you th- what makes you think that? Uh, do I look like a Dalmatian? 101. No. That would be uh, uh, 2060, I would be uh, 101. Not that far away, is it? Um, but no, I, I will not. I, I I didn't expect to live this long, though, to be honest with you. I really did not. Uh, waiting on Danny Fallon, a comedian from Delray Beach in Florida that I know really nothing about. Um I will say this. Carl's in the in the uh, chat room right now. Um, uh, Saturday before I went to my gig, I was expecting a last rites program, and I, I went to find it. And uh, after twenty minutes, I said, "You know what? What's going on?" And typically, I I'm not surprised if they, if Carl's a little late starting sometimes. But after twenty minutes, I said, "What's going on?" No last rites, and he told me it was moved. And then we were talking a little bit, and I told him I had a gig, and he said, "Have a good gig." impress the ladies and i laughed and i was like uh because that hasn't again that hasn't really hasn't happened in 15 years <laughs> impressing the ladies uh seriously i if i think back to the nautical mile days it's the last time i actually felt like yeah the way i impressed some lady uh but he it was that prophetic uh and uh statement at the time and who knew so yeah, thank you, Carl. You should tell me that uh, every 
every time I have a gig and press the ladies, if that's my good luck charm. But then when I said uh, it was the best gig in 15 years, uh, Carl was the first one to say, what's her name? It's like, yeah, th that's exactly what I meant. But um, so Carl knows me better than most people know me already. Uh, so good morning, Becky. Good to have you here. Uh, you're just catching up on me, just rambling nonsense here. Anyway, uh, I'm expressing Danny Fallon from Delray Beach, a stand-up comedian I know very little about, but looking forward to getting to know him. Every day I'm meeting another comedian, some young, some old, some different states of their career, some established professionals, some just getting started. And it's really when I don't see a website or any kind of bio, I'm thinking that relatively new to the game but that might not be the case i just don't know we'll find out i guess uh, and i try to do my homework as best as possible but um sometimes they don't make it easy for you and i'm finding that fewer and fewer entertainers whether it's comedians or musicians or whatever have actually websites anymore most of them are re relying on um Link trees, uh, link, um, TikTok, Facebook. I've seen very few comedians have Twitter now. Jay Legend, who was with me yesterday, said he's on Twitter, but uh, at, at Jay Legend Comedy, but that account doesn't exist. So I think he got it wrong, or maybe he just hasn't kept up the account. I don't know what happened, but it, it's not there. So some of these uh, comedians are making it hard for me to actually uh, learn anything about them. It's almost as if it's a concerted plan, a plot to keep information hidden from the dog. You think? I don't know. But whatever it is, um, it's making my job a little more difficult because I don't know what to expect. And I hate not knowing what to expect. Uh, Danny uh, Fallon is on... Instagram, lots of pictures. No, oh, there are some video. There's some video. And video that I can't hear. Hmm. Well, we'll question him pretty thoroughly when when he comes on, and we'll give him the old third degree. Um, Florida seems like it's a more uh, act, you know, it's a big state. Obviously, here's a. Let's see. I'll see if I can play this clip for us. Hold on. Just slow down there, Danny. The uh, thing with TikTok is they automatically play it. And you can't stop it and pause stuff. Oh, um, you know what? Maybe I'm premature here. Uh, where's he from, Becky says? Well, he's from Delray Beach, uh, where Lee Delray is from. <laughs> Delray Beach, Florida. Um Becky, I know you're in Florida. Yesterday, Jay Legend was on. He's from Tampa area. Is that where you're from? I believe that's where you're I think he's actually living in St. Pete, but uh, performs mostly in the Tampa area. And we're talking about Florida as a comedy. Um, I think the comedy scene in Florida is, is more prevalent. I think comedy clubs are still thriving down there more so than many other places in the country what we're seeing a lot of comedy shows and like bar shows are far more prevalent in uh like suburban areas like long island new york uh 
in some of the places in the Midwest, Indiana, uh, when we, Dave, uh, who, who told me about what the scene that's going on there, Indiana, Illinois, all that kind of stuff where he's located, uh, some the Ohio area. Um, but there are little pockets where comedy clubs still are thriving, you know, as well as Louis Gomez, Louis uh, J. Gomez is going to be at Governor's this Friday. And if you remember last week, I had Tony Walker on from Governor's Radio. And I've been in contact with them about and something I've been working on for a long time is to get some uh, partnership with Governor's Comedy Club. But I'm trying very hard to hook up a personal interview uh, with Luis J. Gomez for this weekend just to tape it probably and then be able to play play it as part of this program because uh, it wouldn't be an hour thing. It would probably be a very short thing if I get to do it. Now, he's hard to contact, uh, and uh, but hopefully having some in there at the club now, maybe I can make some inways there. Uh, so looking forward to that. Anyway, my guest is here today, so uh, why not bring him in? It's a little bit early. I know I told him 10 o'clock, but yeah, since he's here, you're going to show up early, you're going to get called in early. That's the way it works here. Uh, Danny Fallon, as I mentioned, is a stand-up comedian out of Delray Beach, Florida. I know almost nothing about him except from what I can see on Facebook and TikTok uh, and Instagram, uh, but we're going to learn about him right now. Ladies and gentlemen, please open your ears, open your minds, and help me welcome Danny Fallon from Delray Beach, Florida. Danny, welcome. Hey, man. How are you? Pretty good. Uh, a little yeah. tired. You know? A little tired. Are you used to being up this early in the morning? Uh, no, not right now. I work. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I work overnights right now, so I actually uh, just went to bed around. Um, I'd say seven thirty a.m. and uh, I'm up now because that's showbiz, baby. Wow! So yeah. you got a half hour sleeping. Wow! So you're gonna be like I was a couple of months ago. We did a forty hour potathon. And, and after the 30th hour, I was like a, a fucking brain-dead zombie. So, wow. Uh, 40 hours, huh? Yeah, 40 hours live on the air with different comedians, the whole, you know, constantly, through, almost all comedians. There were some musicians in there and some film people and stuff like that. But for, for the most part, it was comedians, interviews. And so, you know how comedians are. Uh, they can be really a little bit... Um, aggressive, especially if they find if they see a weak a week uh be a prey and and so when my when your brain starts to run on it they start to pick on you because they can spot it like oh right. this, this yeah. guy's mentally weak i'm gonna take him <laughs> <laughs> yeah tell me about you man uh, how long you been in the stand-up comedy game um so july will be three years so a little under three years right now um that's how long i've been doing comedy i'm originally from uh i was born in chicago i grew up in northwest indiana and then uh, I've been down in Florida for the last uh, seven plus years. Okay. So now, what what was the uh, what started? What got you started in comedy? What did, is it something you always wanted to do, or was there something that happened that said uh, it's, it's time to give it a try, or somebody dared you? Tell me about how you got started. Yeah. So I think that uh, this is a personal theory that I have, but I think that. A lot of people get into comedy because of failure. <laughs> yeah. I, I think the road to uh, becoming a comedian is paved 
by many other failures and in, in various other ven- avenues of life, you know, and uh, so I'm uh, I'm no uh, stranger to failure. So <laughs> my uh, my initial dream in life was to be a to be a rock star. Me and, too. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I kind of always thought I had the formula down. You know, I was like, I looked, you know, I looked at rock stars and I was like, they, what do they do? You know, they they do a lot of drugs and they play music. And so I tried to do the same. And I think I put a little too much emphasis on the drug part. Me too. So, yeah. I, it's a familiar story. I, I've heard this story before. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah, so I, I kind of, you know, I sobered up from all the drugs and everything. And I was like, just like, just trying to figure out my life and like what I should do with, with, you know, and I still had like these aspirations for like some sort of performance, but I didn't, um, I didn't really pursue music for a while. And then after a couple of years of, of being sober and uh, just trying to look for something, look for some opening, I went to like a few improv classes. I remember, and I was like, I don't want to be like an, I don't want to be like an improv troupe. You know, I wanted to be an actor, but I had no way to, I had no idea how to break into it. And then um, I would just tell people stories. And a lot of my friends just basically said like, you know, you're funny and you should, you should try stand up. And so I had it on my to-do list for a while, for probably a couple of years before I actually finally tried it. But once I tried it, it was just, it's just like anything else, you know, I was, I was hooked immediately, you know, like I had that first hit and I was like, all right, I'm in, you know? Yeah. Are you incorporating any music into, into your uh, performance? Um, I have just for like a gag here and there. I've like, uh, I've played the guitar, but mostly I don't really incorporate music. Yeah, I wouldn't suggest it. I'll tell you why. And from my personal experience, I have written some songs that were intentionally supposed to be funny songs and goofy funny. And uh, they ruin you as a musician uh, because people want to, you know, you write a stupid song that you just just because you're high one night. and you're, Oh, yeah, this is really kind of cute funny whatever and then people like that song more than anything you ever wrote and it becomes your signature thing and like people yeah. want people always asking for your stupidest material yeah. uh and it, it's soul crushing <laughs> i have a couple of those and so i i definitely i know people who who do comedy and music and blend them together well but i always think like um you don't do your your, your generally speaking henry phillips does a great job at it but for the most part, you don't do your music any service at all by be, by introducing comedy into it. <laughs> if I, that's one of my biggest regrets ever doing that. But yeah. you're still young. Uh, you look young anyway. Enough to, to make a very solid career in music because, uh, uh, you know, music is not for old people. But it seems like you're still, you could still do that uh, now that you've learn the lesson that uh, all rock star careers are not built on necessarily drugs, but more so on the music. Uh, and rock star maybe not my, my maybe not be the best aspiration, just making a living in music and being a, a, a professional yeah. musician. No, oh, you- yeah, I mean, I definitely, it, you know, I definitely, um, I think about music still, and yeah, like the idea of things change because, you know, I am older now and. And now it would be something more exactly where like the idea of like, I don't have any like, oh, I want to be a rock star anymore. That's not like a real thing. That's not even a real concept, really. Like, 
I mean, maybe <laughs> yeah. there's new people that like achieve that, but that's not like at all the goal anymore. Also, that sounds like insane. Like that's I don't even have that level of aspiration for that level of money, like or fame even. Like all I want to do is just be an artist that's self-supporting through art. Right. You want to. You want to do. I, I, and I'm not putting. I hope I'm not putting words in your mouth. But because I, I think I've had the same experience, I'm sure I've been, you know had that. My my aspiration when I was young was absolutely to be a rock star, and then I grew out of that and just got to the point where I just want to uh, be able to do something that makes me fulfilled as uh, a creative person, and I want to make that my vocation. In other words, what supports me, and I have uh, I've done that for hook by hook or crook most of my life. There were several times when I had to take different careers to support that effort, you know, yeah. side jobs and all that stuff. But for the most part, um, I'm still happy. I'm still playing music. And I was mentioning just before you came on, had a great gig on uh, Saturday night, of, of this past Saturday night. And I realized that my motivation, you know, you talk about being rock stars, but my original motivation hasn't changed since I was 14 years old. And I've, I'm still doing it to impress pretty girls. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yep. So, do you get that in comedy? Because I'll tell you what, what made me think of it. Somebody, and it hasn't happened in a long time, Some a woman came over to me and said, that girl over there really wants to meet you after the show the other night. And I was like, well, that doesn't happen to musicians. That's a comedian thing, a meet and greet thing. Like we want to go. Generally, if you're a musician, they won't, they'll, they'll just walk up to the stage and start talking to you while you're packing up or whatever after the gig's over. But right. we don't have meet and greets like they do in comedy. But do you get that in stand-up comedy? Like, oh, she wants, she wants to talk to you. She wants that girl back there wants to meet you. Well, it's, it's funny that you say that because this makes me think of a very specific situation. Um, I mean, fuck it. I can say it because I don't know. Do you curse on here? Yeah. <laughs> you can't say fuck it. To can you curse on here? Fuck it. Can you curse? It's can you curse on here? Then fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, because, well, you know, it's yeah. better to ask for forgiveness. Uh, so, so, um, it's, you ask, like, you know, basically, a very, I have a very specific situation that happened like that. And I was doing, it was the first time I ever headlined. And I was headlining. And I had invited a bunch of friends to come see me. So the first thing I did was like, hey, good to be here. And I talked about, like, there was this table where all my friends were sitting. And I was like, I know way too much about everyone sitting there. Like, one person here, I've spoon-fed rice while they were high on cocaine. Like... The other person left a surfboard in my house for like a couple months. They owed me rent money. Like, like just, you know, random little like things like, you know, and, and getting the crowd going. And um, so then I'm ready to move on to my jokes. And someone from the table is like, you don't know me. And it was this girl and I'd never met her before. And I looked at her. And so I was just like, oh, yeah, you're right. And I don't want to get to know you. And, uh, you know, because that's just, that's comedy. That's the quickest thing that would be. That's kind of vicious, brutal, yeah. cutthroat comedy, but yeah, okay. That's, <laughs> but that's like, because in, what you learn in comedy is like when, you you got to have the quick draw. For, for shit like that, when someone like yells out to the crowd, uh, or yells out from the crowd, usually it the bar for what's funny is so much lower because all the crowd really expects out of you is just to have something. 
And if you say something, most of the time it'll be rewarded. It doesn't have to be even remotely funny as compared to what you actually write. It's like it's just this thing that happens with comedy where it's like crowd work is really just the quick draw. As long as you can quick draw on them, right. the crowd will reward you with laughter. So they did, and they laughed. It got a huge pop. But she didn't understand like the way comedy works, so she kept going. And uh, and then it got kind of weird. And uh, and then I had to backpedal because I went a little too vicious. And then I felt like the crowd was like pulling back on me, like, "Oh, dude, relax." Like. <laughs> and so then after the show, my friend, who actually ended up bringing her there because she was kind of being cl- a clinger on him, like she was, he had met her. And then he had expressed that he wasn't interested. And then she kept like basically hitting him up. And so he had invited her to my show with a date, like so that she would see that he had a date and finally kind of get the hint that he wasn't interested. So he kind of like, you know, whatever. So he was trying to pawn her off on me. And he was like, yeah, so there's a girl that really wants to meet you. And I was like, oh, that wasn't a joke. You know, (laughs) that was real. And um, so that's a very specific example. And that was an example of, of someone I didn't want to meet. And, wow. And uh, that ended up being kind of, I wouldn't say a, it was, it was a little stalkerish for a little bit. It kind of got weird. Um, but, you know, um, I don't know. I mean, with comedy, not, not super often is it like, but every once in a while, like, you know, I got laid one time from comedy. <laughs> So, <laughs> well, one is better than none. That's pretty that, good. I guess uh, it. I guess it does happen, but I'm just kind of weird with it. Where I, uh, I'm not like super uh, sexual, you know. Like I'm just, I'm very picky. So like, wow. I probably just don't even like. I wouldn't. I wouldn't properly like. Basically. Um, recognize how often it's happening because it's not what i want so i'm like not even wow i think you're uh i think you're unusual in that if you don't mind me saying i think most people especially if you start out in music most people uh i i think a lot of guys anyway that i've talked to uh the the original motivation for getting in a band for learning to play an instrument for any of that stuff was to get the attention of girls (laughs) yeah no, I mean, I think that's definitely, I think that's definitely true. I remember like being a kid and playing music in the garage, and like when girl, when a pretty girl would walk by, um, you know, you, you'd just be motivated to be cooler, yeah, <laughs> stuff. And I think that's still in there inherently, but like, I don't know what happened to me, but you know, maybe this is like a therapy session. But it like, is every every time anybody talks to me, it's like a, a therapy session. This is why a, a lot of uh, people who've been here, like comedians who've been with me two or three times, they start to realize you're cheating. You're like a psychoanalyst. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll take any free therapy I can get. You know, I'm fucked up. <laughs> um. But uh, yeah, so cha- changing gears here now. Uh, I had said before you came in that I think Florida has a uh, probably one of the best comedy club scenes, the most thriving comedy club scenes still left in America. Am I correct in that? I mean, I'm not there. I'm saying that just because of what I see on social media and my friends down there who moved down there and continue to work. 
uh, comedy clubs? Are you working on more comedy clubs, or uh, are you doing like what guys are doing here, which is play a place, pizza places, bars, uh, laundromats? And- yeah, I would say that I'm still at the the point of my career where I'll play pretty much anything. I mean, I've definitely gotten like a little selective where I've I've finally been able to be like certain gigs. Like when I first started off. Like there was this place, it was a Caribbean restaurant called Fins and Things. And I would do that. And I would say the last six months, the booker for there reached out to me and was like, do you want to perform there? And I was like, no, just because like I have done it so many times and it's just, it's just not the right setting for comedy. And from, for my comedy specifically, it's most of the people uh, barely speak English. So it's, it's not really a good it's not a good fit so i don't really feel like torturing myself anymore like i feel like when you're starting off you got to do just about anything just to like get over like the nervousness of getting on stage and being a comedian but at a certain point you're like just torturing yourself if it's just like you're not getting paid it's a far drive and they just don't want you to be there at all you know uh, yeah well, so, I know guys in music who still do that after 45 years. They're still, or not necessarily for nothing, but they'll take, you know, Long Island, it can be a little bit like Florida in that uh, sometimes the gig, you can drive 90 miles or more to get to a gig or, you know, it's a Long Island. They call it Long Island for a reason. And, yeah. and uh, Florida is the same way going down. It's a very long state. And sometimes yes. uh, you can travel. and But you know, traveling a hundred miles for a gig that pays a hundred dollars, especially in the time when gas is four or five dollars a gallon and all that stuff, and you know, the hours you're putting in, it feels like less than minimum. It is less than minimum wage type oh. of job at some point. Yeah, and, and yeah. Um, so, but you mentioned headlining, and generally three years in, that's pretty a, a good accomplishment that you're headlining at all. Anyway, three years yeah. in. Thank you. So you must have been pretty aggressive when you started off by working a lot, right? Getting in yeah. as many much mic time as you can. Absolutely. Yeah, like uh, I was pretty blessed, like, um, you know, just being in Florida, especially during the pandemic, because a lot of people were moving here from other places just because, like, people were coming from L.A. because it was literally illegal to do comedy. And, you know, Florida – we started doing open mics. There was some as soon as May 2020 after the shutdowns. Um, we even did like one or two after the shutdowns. And then we were like, okay. And then we stopped. And we really only stopped doing comedy for like a month, maybe maybe a month and a half. And then we slowly started picking up. So I ended up being in the best place to be because in Florida by like, you know, by like July, I – I performed at the West Palm Beach Improv in July 2020. So, like, right. which was crazy unheard of in other places of the country. Right, yeah. You know, I remember Steve Byrne was on this program in, uh, I think it was um, April of 2020, right after the lockdown hit. And then two weeks later, he was performing at a, a club in Miami, a full, you know, people had masks on to get into place and it was like 50%, but still doing indoor clubs. And we were just getting to the places where they were starting to let us do 
parking lot shows, you know, basically outdoors with lots of distance and all that stuff. Uh, It was just, it's weird. So, yeah, I I saw that. Uh, So, again, this is why I think Florida is probably, again, and there's also the touristy element of where so many people go to Florida are tourists, whether uh, even on any day of the week. You can you can see people that might not be native Floridians. They're just people coming yeah. down for the weather and enjoy some. So those people are more likely to go out to a comedy club or or experience entertainment than a lot of other places in the country. So I think it makes it ideal anyway. Even before race, all the pandemic stuff, I still think Florida is probably the best state for anybody starting out to if you're looking for opportunity to get into kind of stuff like that. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's a good place to get your bearings and and to to get your legs and figure it all out because if you go to New York or LA or Chicago, you're going to be way oversaturated. Like, you know, three years in in New York, it, I don't think that I would have been headlining. You know, but in Florida, you can you can become like some of the cream of the crop in two years. You know, like. Just I, I got to ask you this because my singer, the singer in my band, just said we would be a big hit in the retirement community. There are a lot of old people in Florida, so are you? Do you end up doing shows for boomers like me and people even older than me? And like, yeah, how do you? Do they relate to your comedy? Because no. you know, I, I would think so. I mean, I have culturally, I am retarded. I am completely <laughs> fucking retarded. So people will bring up the mo- the hippest movie or what's going on or somebody who's a celebrity and Pete Davidson. I've never seen Pete Davidson do anything. Good. I've heard his name, but I don't know. I don't. That's know good. Anything. That's good that we've never heard of him. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, so I, I'm culturally unhip, and I'm I'm sure, and I I interview comedians and stuff, and I, I'm on, but still culturally unhip. I'm sure there are people my age who just probably can't get a single one of your jokes. I feel like, yeah, I feel like someone like you, like, I don't mind that. Like, 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 you know, you like music and like, just looking at you, I'm like, I feel like it wouldn't be that hard to like, I feel like someone like you would, would appreciate my humor just because it's like, it's not even really like, I did a show in Cape Coral, Florida and with a guy named Dougie Almeida. I don't know if you know him. No. And, um, He's 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 an older guy. He's a little, you know, he's older than me. He brought me on with him and I opened for him. And afterwards he was like, Yeah, it's just like the words that you're using. Like, cause like it's not like I didn't feel like they didn't understand the concepts. Like, if you break it down to the simplest aspect, it's like, okay, here's a like what is the like what is the functions of my joke? Like, okay, here's a misdirect where it's like might be like a gay punchline or you know, like, 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 you know, this is, oh, this is unexpected. Like, I don't feel like they weren't getting it. It just wasn't funny to them. Right. You know, some of the stuff, like maybe like the drug stuff. They just- <laughs> well, um, surprisingly enough, in my age, old people were definitely not uh, g- going to be hip to drug humor. But now people, old people are the hippie culture. They, they. They they should be uh they should get the they were the people who made Cheech and Chong famous. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's 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 what you hope, and you're like, yeah, this makes sense. So I guess it just depends because I've had I've had old people that older people that you know have really loved it, and it's been like a a pleasure to perform for. 
And I've also had older crowds where it's like, I feel like I'm speaking a different language and I have five heads, you know? Right. So you, you mentioned a couple of things in there that, that have me interested now because you were talking about misdirect. Have you studied the art uh, of comedy or uh, are you basically winging it from, from the standpoint of, uh, you know, I've watched enough comedians that I, I get how jokes work and all that stuff. Or have you actually done, because it sounds like, sound like you actually have studied uh, the craft of comedy writing. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I've studied in the sense of like, yes, I've watched countless hours of stand-up comedy since getting into comedy. Because to be honest, I wasn't really that into stand-up comedy until recently. Like a couple years before getting into comedy, basically, I, I didn't grow up watching stand-up comedy at all. You know, I my parents were not with that. We were, uh, you know, it was kind of a religious household, so. Um, well, it was a religious household. And so <laughs> we didn't watch like, you know, I, I didn't curse till I was 18, you know? Wow. Yeah. And, and you've already done it on my program. It's you've grown so much. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, but you know, like there's no, I, I haven't taken any comedy classes and, um, but I basically, like I said, I've just I've I've studied it by watching it and like by picking up other people's picking other people's brains, like reading articles, reading random things. And, uh, you know, you start to kind of understand the concept of how it all works, you know. Right. Uh, do you have any mentors? And, and it doesn't have to be, you know, whenever I say that, some people like, oh, what the fuck are you talking about? Because in business, you know, mentorship is a is a big thing, but it doesn't always have to be like um, a formal mentorship. Would you be my mentor type of thing? It's just like got people who you kind of hang around with or learn from and inspire you or give you constructive uh, criticism, people who were have been in it and professionals who carved their way and you respect and kind of uh, give you some guidance along the way. Do you have those people in your life? Yeah, absolutely. I would say, um, you know, I would say that there's definitely like some comedians that I look up to that I can, that I can go to for, for different levels of like advice and, um, and suggestions yeah do you want some specific names no no i just get curious about because you know i've you get all sorts of attitudes and i think that's a good attitude that there are people who who you, you trust and will give you some guidance there are guys uh, 20 year olds who are in in i've talked to and 22 year olds who don't feel like they need any you know i'm not going to take any advice from some old fucking fart oh no, no. <laughs> That got that got just bludgeoned out of me because <laughs> uh, because I just drove my life into the ground at such a young age. Well, you know, a young age in the sense of like almost twenty two years old, and that like getting into recovery really kind of taught me like, hey, you should ask for help and you should take other people's suggestions every once in a while because maybe all the choices that you make don't really edge you up in the best places, you know. So if you don't mind, I'd like to I'd like to talk about this a little bit. Are you completely uh, sober, like no drugs, alcohol at all now? No, just yeah, yeah, just caffeine and nicotine. You know, uh, the, so uh, I, I have a now. Little. I we talked about musicians with drugs because when I grew up, there was this myth that 
and because I grew up in the hippie era, that and all my uh, people that I idolized or looked up to were openly using drugs. It was an idea that oh, if you're going to be a musician, you gotta you gotta get partake in the drugs and stuff. And so that became part of the mentality. But as I'm becoming more educated into comedy, I'm finding out that comedians are far more drug addicts than uh, any musicians that I ever, at least the ones I know and am familiar with. Uh, I know guys who snort coke off of uh, toilets in, in strange back rooms and bars and comedy clubs, and they think it's coke. It's just some white powder sniffing off a of toilet bowl. That's pretty rock bottom and hardcore. So yeah. how do you stay? Because in my opinion, I think comedy is filled with that kind of stuff in this culture. How do you maintain sobriety in that kind of atmosphere doing stand-up comedy? Because it's got to be surrounded by it all the time, right? Yeah, I would say, I mean, I don't know. As far as as far as like, I think sometimes it's just the myth. It's just like anything else. Like probably both me and you looked up to all these like rockers and we were like, whoa, music is just going to be filled with drugs. And then I remember like being around other musicians and I wanted to do drugs all the time. So I'm like, guys, like this is what we do. And everyone else is like, I'm going to go like hang out with my girlfriend and like go be a chemical engineer. Like, like I'm going to school to be a chemical engineer. This is just a hobby, Dan. Like, and I just, I couldn't wrap my head around that, like how they were like, not like geared the same way. So I think just with anything, there's a lot of myth comedians for one are storytellers. So, you know, they exaggerate everything. So like, cause I've been doing comedy for three years and I rarely see Coke in comedy. I see, wow. Coke, I see Coke more often playing paintball than I do doing like comedy like i don't i know i know people are sometimes on coke but also the way they do it is so that's the thing that i've noticed down here in florida like when i was younger and i would do coke i mean i it was mostly crack but i did coke and you know you you would do a line you would sniff you would buy coke and you'd pour it out and you would do all the coke and then you'd be like we should get more coke but people like as adults, they just like do a key bump and then they they go about their life, you know. It's wow, weird. you have a whole different experience. But the guys I'm talking about are older. I mean, I know guys, <laughs> uh, some of the guys I I talk to on a frequent basis. Uh, I'm sure they're not exaggerating, or in, they might be exaggerating slightly. But I, you know. I know a guy who drank another guy's piss just because it was filled with mushrooms and coke and ecstasy and all that stuff. Wow. Okay, I've done that unintentionally, but intentionally that's... that's <laughs> no, intentionally and bragged about it. Uh, as the king of the party, uh, it, James Inman is who I'm talking about, and Andy Andrews, who was a friend who... Um, they have the party out at Panama, and these are all comedians. Some of them very successful comedians. Andy used to write for the Man Show. He's a very uh, successful comedian as far as doing in stand up when he's out there. He just uh, yeah. he's, not, he's not that uh, aggressive. I, mean, uh, I definitely. But, I guess. I guess that makes sense. I guess. I guess it's just the comedians that you're meeting cause, yeah. because yeah, um, a lot of times, I don't know. I guess the the ones that I'm meeting they. To me, they seem so. Um, it seems so benign and so like uh, very mellow from what I'm used to. Because like that type of stuff, like drinking another man's piss because <laughs> the coke, 
That's the level of debauchery that I'm used to <laughs> as a as a former drug addict. <laughs> yeah. So when I'm around most comedians nowadays, like I said, they'll do a bump of coke. Yeah, yeah, so, I could see that. They feel like lightweights, uh, and I can't understand how coke could ever be conducive to good comedy. I mean, that's you know, another thing I don't get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, with music, I don't know. I mean, I've played music under almost the influence of any drug. Me too. And uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, and it makes sense. I don't know. I just that always was like important to me. Like whenever I would do a new drug, I was like, we gotta try to play the instrument. Because that way, this this might be a thing that happens someday, you know? Yeah. And comedy, like, for me, you have to be so present and aware of, like, the actual room and the actual vibe of everyone else. And if you're, like, on mushrooms or, like, if you're coked up, you're just going to be off rhythm with the reality. Like, I feel like comedy, maybe you could do the other stuff, but when you perform, it's, it feels like you would have to be, like, sober or maybe, like, lightly buzzed. Maybe stone, but it would seem weird to me now. But I only have experience of doing comedy sober. So yeah, for most of my life before I was forty, um, I, I think any time I performed, I would have to at least be a little bit high. But I generally um, perform sober now, uh, and it's very unlikely that I'll ever really drink. Like I had a tap beer the other night, one tap beer while we were playing and my single was like shocked. Like who the fuck are you, man? <laughs> you having a, a beer while we, and beer of all things. Cause I don't, I'm not a beer drinker uh, generally, but he, so it's kind of surprising, but there have been one or two times where uh, I have, uh, you know, when vape, when I first learned about vaping, I made the mistake of doing that right before I went on stage, and I was just, I was totally retarded for a good three or four songs before I could get my bearing in. Like, couldn't fucking I couldn't remember how to play the guitar at all. Yeah. So it's not good. It's not good. It's best to perform sober, even if you're still uh, getting high. Yeah. Uh, stylistically, what do you are you a joke teller? Are you a storyteller? What what's your style of comedy? Um, I would say that I'm I'm. I'm, I do both, and I think that a lot of times I will consolidate a longer story and real life thing into a very quick joke for. Oh, we just lost Danny. Uh, guess maybe, maybe uh, his phone died. Maybe he was uh, calling in from his phone. And all of a sudden, the power died. We might not get him back if that is the case, because you know phones don't charge that quickly. Uh, anyway, it was interesting getting to know about basically uh, where we were at with him right at the end. There, he takes jokes and storytelling, and sometimes he'll consolidate and oh, and that's where we got. <laughs> anyway, I uh, hope you were enjoying that conversation last night on Dystopia tonight with my friend John Pavaramo and Tom Bannis. Oh, uh, um, the guest was my other friend, Paul Provenza, and we're talking, uh, they were talking uh, about all the green room and all that goes on now. Danny's back. We got him back. I guess he didn't lose his phone. Let's let's bring Danny back here. Hey. Uh, you, I thought maybe your phone died, and I thought probably we might not get you back. No, I'm on the MacBook. 
Ah, MacBook, cool. Um, so yeah, you were talking about your style, and basically, you you combine, you do both joke telling and storytelling. Yeah, yeah, I think that I do both because I definitely have for longer sets when I'm able to headline and I do like 30 minutes, I have to do a story because like that's crazy to me too. Like as someone who loves watching comedy, I feel like man, longer longer sets like some. There's some comedians I love, but they're just so quick fire. And like after, man, me seeing like like I love Mark Norman. He's he's great. Well, me too. I, I love yeah. him. But like I watched him live at the Miami Improv, and I was like, I just kind of wanted like to experience more. I was like, Mark, we trust you. We like the way your brain works. Like I would love to kind of hear you just tell us a a story, you know, just because it's just quick, nonstop fire. So. For me, I like to change the rhythms up. Like, so if I'm doing a longer set, I gotta, I gotta do some jokes. I gotta win you over, and then I gotta, I'll start lengthening and lengthening. Like, I don't need a punchline as soon because you guys trust me, and then I can get into like a story, and then, um, you know, and then maybe, maybe quicken it back up again. Different stuff. I'm still figuring it out, but. Uh, I definitely like to do stories because I feel like I have some good ones. And yeah, I I appreciate good storytelling and comedy too. Uh, Norman is has been on my list of uh, favorite comedians for about four or five years now, but he's blown up post pandemic. I think right at when the pandemic started, he put out a a, uh, special that he put out for free, which kind of surprised me. Uh, But now he's just blowing up. And a lot of that has to do with him being on Rogan a number of time and Rogan taking a liking to him. And now he's kind of in that circle, but he's really blowing up and doing well. And I think he's one of these guys who he seems extremely prolific like if i and i'm not you know i I hate to use these kind of comparisons but uh, i'm gonna say he's like a bob dylan prolific wise is to music like dylan had it went to a point where he wrote like three thousand songs in four or five years or something wow Uh, um norman's ability to come out with new material constantly yeah because i follow him a lot and he's never doing the same material twice he puts stuff out on youtube and tiktok and all that stuff instagram always and it's always new material so that's a gift in itself to be able to be constantly coming up with new powerful really good material right so how often do you write i um you know i'm always writing things in my phone so you know maybe I don't know if I would say every day, but it's pretty often, probably a couple times a week, something will happen and I'll write that in my phone. That doesn't mean anything comes of that. And that's like, like once again, Mark Norman, someone like that is like incredible to me because he seems like the type of person that like he writes a joke every day. Right. I write down like an interesting thought often. You know what I mean? Yeah. He doesn't just write a joke every day. Like he, he uses Twitter and and things to test out jokes. And so I've seen him where he was going through periods where he would do fifteen, twenty really good thought out jokes uh, in in a day. And there have been times when I've seen people tweet back at him, and he refines the same joke a couple of times in the same day. Like, and you could see him working through stuff. And fascinating to watch, uh, watch his process. Yeah. Um, Right now, it's time for a happy minute. So please stick with us while we uh, 
while we do the happy minute, we're about to introduce you to the lovely and talented Kiera. You know what? Good morning. Good to see you back. Hit you have morning. hit the limit. I got to take somebody out of here so I, I can put you on uh, the Rockin' Forty Fives page right now because I think we should do that. Just whenever your segment comes on, just go live to the Forty Fives page. That's Kiara. That's Danny. I can't ever do Hello. this right. Hi. I can't see anything. But maybe if oh, you can't see her. No, it's like frozen on my end. Oh, oh no! How about that? How about that? Can you see it now? No. no, you can do this. no. Oh, well, maybe when it up, oh, we lost him. Anyway, oh, no. just just you and me again. <sighs> just you and me. Is there a song <laughs> just you and me? Yes, Chicago. Okay, how does it go? Just you and me. <laughs> <laughs> so, were you listening to Danny at yeah, all? Yeah, I was. I was folding laundry. I liked it. Folding, folding yeah, laundry. It's a good folding laundry segment. So uh, you heard what I said about my motivation for getting into rock and roll. Now that yes. that wasn't a motivation for you, was it? To be, no. uh, obviously not to turn on <laughs> girls, but I mean, were you? Uh, did you do it to get attention from boys? You didn't have to do that. Absolutely women, not. <laughs> you get it naturally. You don't have to work for it. Yeah, you can get attention from boys waiting online at the gas station. Forget it. Danny's yeah. back now. Can you see her? Yeah. Hi. Hello. Hi. How's it going? I, I gotta learn how to point. <laughs> there you go. I have to look down. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, uh, so uh, yeah, we we were just talking about. I just asked Kira if she was listening to the segment we were doing before she got in here, and about um, how motivation is different. Kiera sings in, in the band I play with now. So uh just asking what her motive what was your motivation for get starting as a singer? You just love music. Just the love of music, the love of singing. Been singing since I was three years old. So uh, did you ever have this uh uh, obviously, you did you went to American Idol? So you had rock star at, at pop star kind of aspirations at some point when you were young. Yes, yes. I tried yeah. it all. I modeled. Um, tried out for American Idol. Open mics everywhere. I moved to the city. Open wow. mics. Open mics. Open mics. I strolled into um, comedy open mics by accident and just went with it. I sat down, put my name on the list and realized I was at the wrong place. Just went with it. Got up there. <laughs> sang now, a couple how songs. That's got to be a little brutal, no? Oh, looks like um, Danny fell asleep. Oh, wake up. This is exciting. No, um, I, think he, I think he's frozen. Oh, no. Yeah, it's, it's it keeps freezing. Hopefully, we <laughs> hopefully I'll be around for a little bit. No, that's, that's funny. <laughs> I saw that. I, I saw it. And I was like, that looks ridiculous. I looked, yeah, it. <laughs> it happens. It's part of the this Zoom culture we live in now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, so I just got to ask though, but so you, this has got to be a little weird. Now you sign up for an open mic at a comedy thing; people are expecting comedy. That's got to be a little rough. Uh, you get up there and you're, hi, I'm not really a comic. I'm going <laughs> to sing a song. It wasn't my first time. I I actually did it three or four times in the city. One once uh, there was a Biggie Smalls tribute that I signed oh. up for, and I got up there and I was singing Etta James and and just. I don't know, just totally random songs, but they they liked it. The comedians 
when I went there, I, of course they used it after I went, they, they all picked on me and, you know, but we all had drinks after and it was okay. So oh, I'm glad uh, I could have helped them no make drinking. fun of me. No drinking. Oh, we just lost Danny again. He's a, he's a come and go type of guy. Anyway, <laughs> uh, uh, you got something really exciting and funny and, and or happy or any of the above? I have uh, alligators and I have beavers. Oh, well, let's see your beaver. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you'd go there. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, uh, so you lost your beaver. We could, go with, we could go with the alligator if you want. <laughs> no, okay. no, it's okay. We could learn about these beavers. But, okay. 400 years after extinction, beavers returned to a major city to combat flood concerns. I just want to give you their names. Listen to this. A pair of beavers... Um, in the UK, temporarily named Justin Beaver and, S- and Savarni Beaver, were released into a designed enclosure um, on March 17th. The pair are going to combat major flash floods that have plagued the city in recent years. Where, what city is this? It's in the UK. It's, um, where are we? Come on. Oh, come on. Enfield. I don't know where that is. Carl, Carl and Jamie could probably tell us where that is. Let me uh, let me find uh, out more. Yeah, well, it's a nice beaver. I, uh, I just had it stuffed. Um, <laughs> oh gosh! No, this is uh, this is Cat's Line. It's from it's actually from <laughs> what Naked Gun, I think, uh, one of those movies, Airplane. Uh, well, yeah, nice beaver. <laughs> so yeah, uh, it's from Naked Gun. That, Sorry. That, that, so where did they get these beavers from? It didn't say. What oh my the, goodness! What the hell is that? <laughs> She's too early to be alone today. today. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, the beavers haven't roamed the streets and woods of London since the days of William Shakespeare. Wow! After four hundred years of extinction, the rodents are being reintroduced to the United Kingdom in a quite emotional moment. They so probably got them from Canada, right? They're probably Canadian because Canadians are still uh, beavers are still. Uh, UK citizens, I believe, or subjects of the Queen. Maybe they got it from um... the Queen's Beaver. Oh goodness! No, I don't want to think about that. Okay, yeah, no, her beaver is really um, <laughs> too old. Royal. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, want to go with the alligator one quick, or, or yeah, or no? yeah. Give yeah, us the sure. alligator one. Maybe okay. a little more uplifting than the beaver story. I thought it was cute introducing. No, I like I like a good beaver uh, story. Gosh. Okay. All right. According to Fox News, the Louisiana man, a Louisiana man, rescues a boy from an alligator-infested water. Wait, let me read this again. Louisiana man rescues boy from alligator-infested waters after hearing his calls for help. Listen to this. A man, Daniel Duplantier. Was watching, was watching alligators in a canal on Saturday when the incident occurred. As soon as he heard the calls for help, he knew that he had to act quickly. He pulled the five-year-old from the water and uh, all is well. Wow. Uh, yeah. Are you familiar with the work of Doug Stanhope? Me? Oh, we lost Danny again. He's, oh, he's my goodness. Stuffing. Anyway, are you familiar with Doug Stanhope? No. He's got his uh, most recent special is now available on YouTube, and he talks about uh, when Trump became president, CNN stopped rec- 
reporting on like alligator stories and and stuff like that because they were just Trump obsessed and he lost a lot of uh, valuable comedic material. One of the stories he mentions is a guy in Orlando, Florida, alligator grabbed his kid. and he was having a tug of war with his with his kid with the with the alligator the alligator was pulling him oh my gosh (laughs) but he kind of makes comedy out of that kind of stuff but the story was was uh pretty riveting about the guy having it's not bad enough that you're having a tug of war with an alligator but the thing is your your child oh (laughs) my gosh what a horror that's tight Yeah, Yeah, when I lived in Florida, it was all over every day in the newspaper. An alligator eats a dog, an alligator eats a cat, an alligator snaps. They're stupid. People who let their kids get uh, eaten or even dogs or cats get eaten by alligators are as stupid as people who let horses walk around uh, in their backyard when they have an in-ground pool. Uh, All I have to say is they have that uh, conservation effort to save the alligators. I don't know why. They're everywhere. They get into everything. They eat everyone. Just come on. We don't need to save the alligators, right? No, no. And yeah, it's definitely. They, they, it seems like Florida. Uh, I don't know. They they just have. Uh, they want to be in the news, and so they're going to encourage alligators to eat children. Just oh my goodness! They want the attention. <laughs> I hope not. Well, anyway, uh, that's a, that's a good story. That's uh, that's a fun story. This whole uh alligator stuff i like that uh, i like the beaver stuff too so you did a good job with this one we're going to give you a, a five star rating this this segment has been brought to you by fiber fiber.com uh link is in the description uh please go there and support this and keep kiara working so we can keep her on this show <laughs> go to fiber and, and use our link to get there anyway, yes thanks for being here uh i guess we'll see you tomorrow okay all right have a good day Bye have a good day well, Danny's back. Oh, we we I didn't remove Kira. Anyway, uh, we're having some uh, technical difficulties there. But we were talking about your stylistic approach to to comedy and writing and and all this kind of stuff. Now, um, uh, for, for, are you disciplined? Right? Are you the kind of uh, set aside a, like a time to kind of refine your jokes or any of that or, or your material or any of that well um i wouldn't say like in any sort of like super organized sense because um since since being in comedy you know just like anything else in my life i i feel like i work hard but i'm never like i guess like with the gym i work out consistently but even still like i'm just like i'm never going to be the type of person that's like every day at 8 a.m that's when I write like that's never going to be me. That's not my thing, but I do work hard. It's just more of like scatterbrained of like, here's a moment of inspiration. Boom. And I'll work hard. And then like, like I'm big on um, rehearsing, which a lot of people don't, which is weird to me. Um, A lot of people, I like ask my comedian friends. I'm like, how do you memorize your material? Like, do you ever, like if you're going to do a 30 minute set, you don't practice doing 30 minutes out loud by yourself. Like, no, I would feel insane. I would be like, I would feel insane not to do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, I, that's a big thing. And that, and that helps me think of like new ideas and like just saying it out loud. Like, if I have a set coming up where I have to do 30 minutes, I'll take four hours and practice 
30 minutes and I'll take 10 minutes in between. I'll write down anything I thought of and then I'll do 30 minutes again without looking at notes just so I can remember all the material, you know? Interesting. We have some comedians in some of the chat rooms. I'm interested in it. you guys rehearse. Let me let it, let me know and I'll post some of your comments there. Uh, I know Colin. At least I've heard. I don't know this for a fact, but obviously I've heard from several people who did know him. He would write down his entire hour and practice it word for word rigorously. And like, and I know me uh, Maria Bamford does this sometimes too. She will uh, call people on Twitter and say, "I want to practice my show for you." A one-on-one and that kind of stuff. So and Carlin would call in people you know he trusted and knew, and what would memorize an entire hour, a word for word, and every single word was important. Like he wouldn't leave out a single word. So he would go w- write it down word for word, and that was going to be his. <laughs> and I'm talking to myself again. Poor Danny and his internet connection. I must be a Delray uh, Del Beach. Uh, internet connection stuff uh anyway so colin did (laughs) write out his bits and every single word was of vital importance to him which is unusual so just curious guys in the comedians in the chat rooms various different chat rooms you rehearse or not do do you take it to the level that i just talked about with colin uh where he's writing down every single word and and true to every word he wrote down in his rehearsal and his performance stuff just curious about that i will say for the rockin 45s for my band rehearsal was always a dirty word yeah i think danny's say, saying he can't get back uh no oh he's back <laughs> i was just answering him on the other side uh yeah, I'll just wrap it up with him because I know he's and he's probably really dead tired and wants to go anyway. But I, I was just talking about, you know, Colin being true yes. to everything and, and rehearsing like that. But for my band, rehearsal was always a dirty word. I never I never liked to do it. I love the spontaneity of it. So you do you get to that level with rehearsing like every single word you're going to go word for word or do you? No, I, I don't like to do that. I like to make sure that I that I don't forget any bits that I know work, but I mean, word for word, that precise, I feel like it ends up happening, but I, I kind of actually like to go away from that. Like if I was able to pull it off with a little bit different wording, that would be more exciting to me than just, Oh, that's, this is how it works. And like, I like to leave a little room for spontaneity for sure. Right. Uh, you got anything big coming up that you want to promote? Um, well, I will be in Miami tomorrow night at the Gramps, which is a legendary venue. I've never performed there, so that's Very exciting. Cool. Um, cool. April second, I'll be in Naples for a recovery comedy show. So that's recovery cool. comedy show. So is that like done in in a reco- like a rehab place where people you're talking about sobriety? Like right? a, this is more so for people like outside. This is like at a twelve a twelve step clubhouse. So. Um, but I do do a show at a detox, which is a funny experience. Um, I do I bring a show into a detox uh, once a month in uh, Pompano, and that's tell me about that because I do a lot of psych ward stuff. I do a lot yeah. of uh, people of re- recovery stuff, people dealing with substance abuse, and when I do it for music, they give me a, a you can't do any songs about sex, drugs, or rock and roll. No, no inclusion of any of those things at all. Which for music is 
pretty much limit, limiting what you can do. Yeah, do they give you those guidelines when you go to a, like a detox or can you, or do they want to hear jokes about? Yeah. Uh, no. I mean, that's the kind of saving grace is that being someone in recovery myself, I'm able to talk about all those things. Um, and, and they encourage it. They don't stop, stop you from doing it, but they, which is it's just curious to me. Like they think that if I sing Margaritaville, somebody's going to say, oh, I got to get drunk again. <laughs> yeah, that is that's bizarre to me. I don't know. That's weird because I guess because comedy is so like I guess music can seem more like hypnotic, like 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 it's, you know, like you're subconsciously being hypnotized. But like, I mean, comedy, I'm like I'm like making them laugh, talking about like drugs. And right. it, that, that does seem like a little like I'm even sometimes like this is a little wild, but they don't seem to have any problem with it. And I've been doing it for a, for a couple months now. I mean, I've been doing it since September. I have done certain shows. I did a show at a at a rehab picnic for a different place, and it was kind of a faith based place and we didn't know. And so they started they like the lady who booked me because I hosted and she texted me. And she's like we need the comedians to be cleaner. And I was like, oops, like I didn't know, you know? So I don't yeah, know. Cleaner, but not necessarily because every, every AA meeting or NA meeting I've ever been to, and I'm not like I've been to a lot of them, but I have family who, who tend to regular. It's always about those stories about rock bottom and what brought you brought here. And, right. and so right. I can't imagine like, and this is why it always baffles. Don't play any songs that contain any sex, drugs, or rock and roll references at all. It's like, you know, that means I can play "Happy Birthday" to you, and that's about it. Right. <laughs> I, I personally, I, yeah, I personally don't. I don't like that. Like, I would, as someone, if I've been to rehab before, you know, and if you came in, I'd want you to play "Comfortably Numb." You know what I mean? Right. Like, yeah. I want you to play all the hits. You know. I, I, he I hear you. And I think, you know, that's part of it. Dealing with the stuff, honestly, is, is so much part of it that, I don't know, maybe the counselors who put the program together just don't get it. I don't know. You would think they would, though, because they have actually, to be a counselor in, in, in that kind of situation, you've actually had to had some experience with it yourself. They don't just take straight people and make them into drug counselors. <laughs> right, right. right. Uh, so what's the best way for people to follow you? Because I noticed you don't have a website, or at least I couldn't find it, so I got them pointing to Instagram, at yep. Danny Fallon, haha. And That's then I have your uh, Facebook page. Is there any other place they should go? You can, if if you're inclined to be on TikTok, it's the same as Instagram. It's Danny Fallon, haha. If someone is so inclined, I'm not a big fan of TikTok, but I am on there just because. But Instagram and 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 Facebook, those are the two big ones, so that's fine. Yeah. Are... So uh, and uh, so you um, you don't put a lot of like extended stand-up stuff like on youtube or anything uh is that by design um yeah i just really at this level i i don't want to be putting all my stuff on youtube because i haven't found i feel like youtube you want to have a lot of content and i'm not like with instagram i can cut it up i can get a little 30 second minute clip and i can use some of my material to kind of gain traction on instagram but YouTube is such a it's it's just video content like Instagram. I'm promoting like myself and the idea of me and the brand upcoming shows like different things. So I'm able to kind of blend this 
stream of like, here's the Danny Fallon page, you know, but with YouTube, it's like, I haven't really invested enough to, to constantly have like a, a surplus of videos and be, be regular around there. So I just don't really use it for much other than just like, here's the basic, here's an idea of my comedy. Here's a couple sketches. And this is where I'm at until I start really putting out more content on there. You know, well, there's just two schools of thought on that. And that is one of them. And then the other people just want to think, need to use as much of social media and YouTube included uh, to get as much traction or ex exposure as possible. Two schools of thought. And it's uh, just always curious to see where, where it could be. Now, one more question uh, before I let you go. Uh, aspiration wise is, is stand up the goal or is there uh, is stand up a stepping stone to bigger things like movies, television or anything in your, in your aspirational picture of where you're going? I think that stand-up is definitely the goal, but I also like I would I would love my my whole idea is I think about like a finished product. Like I would love to leave behind a couple really great specials because I think about the things that I enjoy. Like I love a good album. I love good music. So I love a good stand-up special. I love a good book. I love a good movie. Like and I love good TV shows. So like for me, I'd love to leave behind a couple good specials. However, if an opportunity to make movies, which is another thing I love, presents itself, I would love to be a part of that. Same thing with TV shows. You know, All I'm right. also working on a book. Um, me too. Yeah. <laughs> I am. Yeah. yeah. Uh, how's, your, how's your book coming? <laughs> Pretty good. You know, I mean, it's it's kind of like a running joke at this, at this point because it's been a couple years. Me too. You know, <laughs> you know your friends... Your friends mess with you like that part and family guy. Like, how's the book coming along, Brian? You, I know. you know, I get it. That's you my know. life too. Uh, well, I, I appreciate you being here, and we we it's been a pleasure to get to know you. And hopefully, we'll uh, we'll keep sending people uh, to see you. Now, if you have any gigs or anything you want to promote, you just uh, send them to me any way you can get. Facebook, email me, whatever, DM me, uh, and I will promote your gigs up as best as I can if you have anything. on. So just keep them coming. Just don't be shy about letting people know where you're playing. So that's okay. what we're here for. Thanks for coming, uh, and thanks for getting up early and being a trooper, staying up kind of, yeah. getting a half hour of sleep and coming back and dealing with all the tech stuff. I appreciate it. Thank all you. All good, man. Thanks for having me. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you. Bye for now. Danny Fallon, folks, go see him in Miami this weekend. If you're down there uh, uh, in Miami, go see him. Um, we, we, the links to his uh, stuff are in the description, man. So uh, check him out. Great, great stuff. I hope you enjoyed that. Carl is saying uh, keeps his Beaver news uh, private. <laughs> um, you know what? Specials. I think they got to find another word for that. Um, because everything's special when everything's special, nothing is special, right? When you overuse a word, and so comedy specials, when you see an hour long program, uh, it used to be the word came about because there was typical programming on like HBO or cinema or wherever it was on cable news, and to a break from that, movies or anything was a an HBO comedy special. Now everything everybody puts out is considered a special. It takes a, it's not so special anymore. 
uh, semantics, I know, but the, I think they got to come up with, you know, another comedy concert. I don't know. Uh, and made, that's probably not the, the word, but they got to come up with a new terminology for that because I think special is overused. I do. Um, and I do think I, I appreciate the idea that, you know, I agree with him. There are the, the content that I love the most is, you know, a George Carlin hour, a, um, an Andrew Dice Clay hour, a Tosh, uh, Daniel Tosh out Dan, Daniel Tosh fucking special. And I don't know why he hasn't done one in a long while. Uh, Doug Stanhope specials and you know, you name it, but, uh, and those hour format or, or roughly an hour shows, Louis CK, all of them, they're all great. And those are the, the formats that I love, but I do think, if there's a thousand of them coming out this year, they're not specials. They're just, you know, it's, oh, who's got another hour out? Who's got another hour out? Everybody. Everybody's got another hour out. Can't watch them all. And sooner or later, you have to be a little bit selective about it. But uh, I do agree that that's, that's definitely my favorite way to consume comedy, uh, other than actually go just going to a live show. I mean... I've never been to a special being taped that I that I'm aware of, or uh, you know, you know. I guess you would see the cameras if you were at a special taping. Generally, never been to one. Uh, Netflix started call saying uh, Netflix started giving uh, giving everyone their dog and their dog a special. I never got a special, and I'm somebody's dog. Uh, oversaturated. His beaver news is, is oversaturated. Your beaver is oversaturated. Good to hear. Uh, my mommy said I was special. Did she lie to me? No, cat. You are special. You are not a comedy special. You are a special person. That's different. Who could use that kind of special? Well, no. Um, actually, special can mean like you're riding the short bus. <laughs> oh, she's special. So maybe mom meant that. I don't know. I didn't know your mom. And uh, I, I'm sure she was a lovely lady. I could take Danny's stuff out of here. Danny is at uh, Instagram. Uh, Danny Fallon at, uh, at Danny Fallon. Ha ha. <laughs> um, I didn't uh, play a uh, coffee spot got to play that i got three minutes left so this is only take a minute i'll be right back with you i've got to play the coffee spot before i get in trouble i've talked about fiber being the sponsor of you know cold coffee yeah get your cold coffee this episode is brought to you by koa coffee if you're a coffee connoisseur and want to experience the best coffee hawaii has to offer no blends no compromise try the true taste of aloha Koa Coffee produces premium Hawaiian coffee, hand-picked, expertly roasted, and delivered from Hawaii to your door with aloha. From award-winning 100% Kona coffee grown on the slopes of the Mauna Loa volcano to the unique mocha beans of Maui, they strive to provide their loyal customers Mokin the beans. best quality and freshness. Since 1997, Koa Coffee has been known far and wide as a product of utmost quality, and their awards prove it. Koa Coffee was featured in Forbes' Top 10 Coffees of the World. This is the coffee Forbes called the best coffee in America. Find out what it's all about. Go to minddogtv.com 
last coffee. Yeah, that was it for the coffee. Get drink your coffee. Get drink it up. Drink your coffee like good kids. Uh, Carl says I drank cold coffee and died during a three-way in a casino hotel. Uh, but you came back to life, and this was only because of the magical properties of cold coffee. How dare you badmouth my sponsor? Anyway, um, no, it, actually, uh, I, I'm. A casting doubt on your three-way story, but I could see you in a casino hotel. Three-way, uh, maybe. But dying, I could definitely see you dying, uh, more so on stage than in a hotel room. But I will tell you this. The fact that you're here with us today is a testament to the power of cold coffee. Uh, so don't you dare try to turn that around on me, mother, mother. I don't know. Carl's got like an attitude problem today. I'm going to have to take him out to the woodshed and stuff his beaver. Maybe maybe get send him some alligator shoes or something like that. I appreciate you guys being here tonight. David Solomon is going to be my guest on Mind Dog TV podcast. And you know what? I don't know anything about him either. I got to do some research on him. I think we're going to be talking about mental health issues. I should look that up. <laughs> I will look it up. I promise you. I'll know all about him by the time 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern time rolls around. But at this point, I forget. I forget what the subject matter is today. You want me to look it up for you and, and tell you what it's going to be? You're probably not going to tune in anyway because you're all a bunch of morning people now, aren't you? I've made morning people out of all of you. I'll be there in six months for his stuffing. Uh, well, your beaver will be all dried up in six months. Uh, so, well, bring a bring a fresh beaver with you. Actually, uh, speaking of fresh beavers, uh, Kelly has some. Uh, is a three way different than a threesome? Or no, that's it's the same thing. You Kansas City people, man, you're so far behind the fucking times. Three way threesome, it's all the same thing. Uh, anyway, uh, it ha it has the power to resurrect a failing colleague. <laughs> oh, Sugar Cat is uh, the best comedian in the in the room tonight, or and usually almost every day she brings the funny. Uh, we didn't have, see hear from Chad today. He generally brings the funny too. Call not so much. You get your professional comedians; they slack on this show. Um. But he will be here six months for a good stuffing. Anyway, that's the program for today. I'm way over time, aren't I? Uh, have you turned on your radio today? I'm thinking next week, maybe I'll put it off for April, the, the, the following week for April. To expand the program, uh, we're going to be adding some new segments with some comedians coming on as regulars, a uh, couple of people that you've seen on the program before. They're going to have regular segments on the program. I think I'll probably start expanding one hour at a time so going to three hours and probably an hour later so going from 8 a.m to uh from 9 a.m to 12 p.m here 12 noon uh here uh in eastern time uh and then if that goes well then maybe we'll expand an hour down on the other wings go from 8 p.m make it a four-hour show like a traditional radio shift uh, but that's in the works. I'm not sure when I'm going to pull the plug on that because I'm still doing the overnight, uh, not the overnight, the, the evening program. Uh, 
And that's a lot of work, and it keeps me. Uh, I just want to do the morning show, to be honest with you. I do appreciate some of the interviews that I'm having on the evening program. And let's face it, like people, uh, some of the bigger name comedians that I'm going to get are uh, not available in the morning, especially if they're West Coast. They want to be on, and I've gotten several of, of those who were only available for the evening show. So I feel like I have to leave the evening show alive and not kill it just yet. I'm torn. I'm torn between two podcasts. Torn between two podcasts. Feeling like a fool. Doing two shows a day is breaking all the rules. Uh, it would be nice to have a time after the guest so so we can annoy you yes no this is what i'm looking for uh when the when the and like this time right now the guest has gone for the day probably out uh working his rehab <laughs> and uh then i open the uh floor back up to you people to just like abuse me uh say how you would not watch my uh documentary about matt napo that is a hit piece uh of course i don't think you could do a documentary about matt napo that would be a hit piece because most of my life is just uh walking on water really and performing miracles and and healing the sick it's basically healing healing the lame and sick and you know, performing miracles basically is what I do. So I don't know if you could really do an inadequate hit piece on me, but you could try. That's what I'm just saying. You could try. But again, to to address Carl's point from this morning that he would not watch a hit piece. You don't know it's a hit piece until you watch it. You can't tell. All right, people. You think you could tell? I, I will. I will point you to. To, I, I will play this little game, this little game you got going here. I will show you three documentaries, and you tell me which one is the hit piece. You ready? You ready to go? No, we're not going to do that today. But that is going to be a a contest, a, a a piece of content coming up, I think. Name the hit piece. Identify the hit piece documentary. I'll show you three teasers for... Uh, content to watch on youtube and you tell me which one is the hit piece and you know i that was referring uh yes it's already started is this a documentary yes you're right (laughs) but it's not a hit piece because again all i'm doing is is healing the sick and working miracles and and um i don't know teaching men to be fishers of men this is what i do i'm i'm um I'm way over time here uh, before I hit the uh, turn on your radio uh, button. But um, I do have to go, and I have to prepare for tonight's show. But I did want to kind of quickly discuss this whole idea about this Bert Kreischer documentary that I saw. So, no, uh, it it, it did not identify itself as a hit piece, and there was no way of really figuring out that it was going to be a total hit piece, as bad as it was, for the first 10 minutes of content. For the, and I, I clicked on it thinking I was going to learn something about Bert Kreischer that I hadn't known, and that's always good. I love learning stuff about comedians that I, I'm not the biggest Bert Kreischer fan, but I, did want, I was interested in it. Um, and hit piece, 
Um, yes, it was definitely. It comes across as a guy who the English guy who's narrating the thing, at least. And there is uh, some clips of some podcaster who also seems to have a anti comedian, every comedian bias. Like this guy was not just a hit doing a hit piece on Bert Kreischer. He was doing a hit piece on every comedian who's ever talked to Bert Kreischer <laughs> in any way. I mean, he was beating up even on Bill Burr, who uh, basically hadn't, because he does, they, they had a podcast together, but he talked about how little their rapport was and, and kind of slight Bill Burr in a way, definitely slight Tom Segura in a way, Ari Shafir, Joe Rogan. I mean, you you go down the na- uh, list and anybody who's had anything to do with Bert Kreischer uh, gets kind of a new asshole ripped in this documentary. That was interesting, but some of the, some of the information in there w- w- hit piece or not was new to me and i learned things about about bert that i never knew i didn't know his origin story or how he got started with the whole florida state and rolling stone doing a thing on uh the top party at the party top party school in america i didn't know any of that stuff that was all worthwhile so i guess if you take everything with a grain of salt and and realize that it's a hit piece you can still you can still learn something from it. I definitely learned stuff about Bird Kreischer. Had, did it turn me off to never watch Bird again? No. I did kind of call him a total bullshit artist. And and I don't think anybody in the creative arts can be anything but. Leo Kotke, <coughs> uh, guitar folk guitar player and a really talented guy, somebody I admire, he said... Um, you know, the, the essence of songwriting is being a good liar uh, tell, or, or storyteller, any of that kind of stuff. And he said when he first heard his kids, uh, you know, telling lies, he said that he realized he had artists in the family. Uh, so and I'm not saying they're all bullshit artists throughout every aspect of their life, but every part of art is a mixture of truth and exaggeration. So I'm not going to be judgeful and judgmental of, of Bert Kreischer or stop uh, appreciating some whatever I do appreciate that he does. I, I like him more on podcasts where he's um, like when he was uh, Bobby Bobby Lee's podcast, the Tiger. What the hell is the Tiger? You know, having a senior moment here, Tiger something. Bobby, Bobby Lee's podcast, or you know, I've, when I've heard him on Rogan, I think you know those those things. I think that's where he shines, where he's telling those kind of stories. Never really saw him on network television, like on Conan or any of those things. But again, I'm not going to stop being a fan of uh, it to what, whatever extent I would call myself a Bird Crasher fan. Would not be a, a stop being a fan of anybody because of what I saw in a documentary. I don't think it's not necessarily a bad thing to watch documentaries that are to have a negative negative approach because you tiger belly thank you cat day in and day out cat is the one who's going to save me from my uh my cognitive decline she's going to be uh time for jello pop 
Uh, oh, yeah, remember to take your pills. Uh, exaggeration in Bellman. Some people are shocked this happens in comedy. Uh, yeah, some people act shocked. They feign outrage by it. I think most people know. Uh, some of the stories have to be embellished in some way. I mean, some of them are so outrageous. That machine story, obviously, uh, while rooted in, uh, definitely rooted in a real <laughs> incident, in a real thing that happened in his life. I mean, if you take that literally uh, and can't figure out that there's some exaggeration and embellishment going on, you're pretty dumb and you should be angry at yourself, not at the comedian. That's my take on that. But um, anyway... So I look forward to the hit piece you folks are going to do on me when I'm, I'm gone. Uh, I don't think it will be a very entertaining hit piece because, as I said, I'm sounding like a broken record here. Um, I'm just a saint. I'm just, like, saintly. Uh, I, I walk on water. Um, I perform miracles. And I've never told a lie. Um, yeah, and, and thank you, Carl. Uh, I, I appreciate you telling me this now because um, hopefully that's what I'm going to do. Anyway, I think it's time to say goodbye. Now it's time to say goodbye to all our family. No, no, that's not where I want to go. I want to say, I'm so glad we had this time together. No, 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 no that's not where I want to go. Um, I just want to say, uh, turn on your radio and bye for now. I'll see you guys, I guess, tomorrow because none of you people will be with me at 8 p.m. tonight. Not one of you. Anyway, I will be uh, embellishing and exaggerating uh, to give you something to do a hit piece about. See you later. Turn on your radio. Bye for now. It's not my nose.
listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to 